Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to Turnbuckles. I'm John Reinman, and my favorite floating hand is Thing from the Adams Family. I'm Tommy Rico, and my favorite floating hand is Master Hand from Super Smash Brothers. I'm Julie Harrison Herney, and my favorite floating hands are those addictive nail art videos on TikTok. Wow, I'm amazed that no one said Mark Henry and Mae Young's son. That's crazy. So let's get to the Raw Recap. Raw Recap. So just to explain why we're feeling handsy, there's a hand mystery. Did you guys get my uh, early morning text? Did Tommy, indeed. for you, it must have been like two in the morning, right? It was a very familiar hand. Yeah. And uh, with a very familiar glove, but uh-huh. that was it. It was very, very faint in the very, very furthest portion of the background of a shot. And uh, good looking out to whoever found that. But who? Yeah, I but say, what is I that watched, hand well, doing? Like, it's, it's, it's. Who walks like that? Who does anything like that? Is it Spider-Man? Like, what is that's the weird positioning for a hand? That would be a cool. We'll talk about it when we get there. But I will say that would be a cool way to signal your entrance into a room. You know what I mean? If you wanted an ovation from everybody, you stick your hand into the doorway and everyone goes, oh, there's his hand. I really felt like he was about to do jazz hands. That would become senior winces, the uh, the hand puppet. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we're jumping ahead we're jumping ahead we're terrible yeah uh well let's do the judge well here they are judgment day and in, in, in segment one well but um, even before judgment day though john the rarely seen raw opening sequence i can't yeah. remember the last time they played it they well, must have been really sure is it time. was it, it was just new because it had shots from last no. week in it <laughs> They, yeah, they have updated new, it, yeah. but that is the same song and most of the same opening that they have run for a while, but they just don't run it anymore. I, I, no. I literally can't remember the last time I've seen it. And then the signature always, almost always ran. And yeah. then Aaron Blitstein, yeah. who I spoke about last week, he had the really cool idea to when The Fiend was taken over uh, to have it be all like, you know, warped and kind of have it go oh. down as like a production trick and everything. That's a that good was idea. cool. Yeah. It was super fucking cool. But then, surprise, surprise, Kevin Dunn got a hold of it, and it became, you know, a Count Chocula commercial over time. <laughs> it became like, yeah, this is a little disney here. Before, it was like, oh, he's hacking into this. It was like Max Headroom. Do you remember the Max Headroom incident, Tom? Yes, I do. Julie, do you know the Max Headroom incident? I don't know. What you're, you're not as old as Dude, that's a whole other podcast. That would be like, we could do a three-part episode on that alone. It's just insane. But that's what it And it has nothing to do with of. wrestling. So there's this character named Max Headroom in the 80s, 
and someone cut into the feed of a Chicago news broadcast wearing a Max Headroom hat or mask and did all this weird shit like Bray would do. Did like a right Tom, like did like a bunch of spooky, weird, like campy. Like, yeah, it didn't quite make or, sense. And that didn't he finish it with like mooning or something? Yes, didn't he show his he's ass? getting spanked by a fly swatter. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Now that I say this, I start to wonder why Bray probably left. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that was God did fuck it. Are, there, are the fans back yet? It's by the way, a whole, month, God a whole damn it, new generation. Swatter. A whole new generation of people <laughs> is going to discover the Max Headroom incident because there's a Max Headroom reboot with yeah. Matt Frewer, the original Max Headroom coming on coming to soon. So we're but, gonna see a whole bunch of people find that, and boy, is that a find. What was your favorite raw open, Tom? Do you have one that like going back that was your favorite? Like my favorite was like like the one that everyone talks about is the one shot on type of on top of Titan Tower, where everyone's in the ring and they're wrestling each other and the ring's on fire. It was like, oh yeah. But the only but here's two issues with it. One, it was like I was very like, so they all got together and Corey like you know what I mean. It took me out of their moment where I was like, so they all got together and decided to do, you know, a friends in the fountain kind of sitcom opening, except they're wrestling and fire. And then they kept Bret Hart in it for like two years after he was <laughs> famously gone. And they were like, I guess they, I guess that's how, because Bruce has talked about, it, they didn't have like any money at that time. They were like really going. Oh, broke. and they spent money on and that. They spent all the that money was on like that. cinematic. And so that, yeah. that was it. And it was like, Hey, who's that guy? That's another guy in a pink tank top and heart ta- uh, tights. It's not Bret Hart. Yeah, they were not about to ditch that footage. I remember that. And that was actually the time when I can remember uh, WWF then was turning more towards reality based programming and away from cartoon characters. Mm -hmm. So that cinematic opening was really impactful because it looked so different and it looked very impressive. Um, So that was that was kind of when they that was the moment when a lot of the lapsed fans that gave it up in the late 80s, early 90s came back. Because mm-hmm. they were like, what's this? They're, are they actually spending money now? Like, it was, it was shocking. It feels like that's kind of happening right now a little bit, right? If for no other reason, people just want to, they know Hunter, and they know Vince is gone. And so they're like, I mean, giant rating last night. So Raw, almost, yeah, the numbers are bearing that out. Almost 2 million people. It was like 1.8 one or a 1.9, depending on whatever. And beat the, the series finale of Better Call Saul. I mean, that's monster. That's huge. Yep. And, uh, and Saul, Better Call just, Saul was like a, a cultural touchstone, too. Yeah. So that like you, you beat a like, last episode of a popular yeah. show. It's a little bit more the effects of cable are dwindling quite drastically, if anything. I, I would I would probably put more emphasis on the fact that people are probably going to watch Better Call Saul later and not live mm. in real time. I like am. They are going to spoil. I still haven't had it spoiled, and I'm a huge fan, and I have not seen the episode. You know, yet, it's so interesting you said. I had a conversation with down. somebody today, an interview, and I, uh, I said the same thing. I said that it's like I know so many people that are fans of that show, but what WWE has it going for it is it the unpredictability, except for Five. the Judgment Day. <laughs> <laughs> I will say before we get to the Judgment Day, since we were talking about the packages and the cold opens, I just want to say, and I've given it three weeks, and I haven't said anything. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite things about WWE is the production value as it relates to these trailers and the promos that they make recapping what has happened on previous weeks. Mm. And since Hunter has taken over, I feel like editing prepackaged production value has gone down significantly. 
I know, Tom, previously you talked about the United States championship and how they were building that up. Sure, that's great. These packages are not well edited together. So on SmackDown, they did one for the Intercontinental Championship, and that was much better. Way, way better. It was just, I mean, I think they probably have more more current performers in it because it, you know, Intercontinental Championship is a WWE did thing. They, did they show Pat so, winning it at the uh, first ever tournament? They did. Yeah. Oh, did they yep, really? They showed, Pat made the package. But, but I did, mean, wait, think hold of on. the Intercontinental. Did they show him winning it or with it? With um, the I, th- I don't, they, they showed him just with his arms, you know, arms you know, raised. You know the story I'm not sure if it was that, right? the moment. No. You don't, Tom, you don't know that? No, I don't know the Pat Patterson So uh, they said that there story. was like a tournament in Panama or somewhere, and there was no such thing. They just made up a tournament and said Pat won and gave the championship to Pat <laughs> Patterson. And he was, and he said that, it was banana, tracks and he with, took it and ran with it. <laughs> well, Pat did make the. That's a real thing. The Everyone can look that up. The Intercontinental Championship in WWE was just a, there was a made-up tournament that never happened in a different country. And Pat Patterson. Well, <laughs> and by the way, as far as the Intercontinental Championship goes, it's being held by Gunther, and what a match between him and Shinsuke Nakamura! Absolutely old school. Shinsuke at his best, probably the best we've seen him in WWE. Super, it just, it felt like a big bout. And that's one thing that WWE is doing very well. I would argue doing better than video packages is they're making matches feel like there are stakes and they're making big match feeling they're They're making big matches on free TV, which is not something they've been great at for the past few years. But because Vince isn't there, those stakes no longer have ketchup and mustard. And uh, it's it's a things are a little bit different. And with the Judgment Day, though, why don't they just make Rhea the leader? I mean, Tom, I know she kind of, they have. Yes, I guess, but I don't know. It's they, they You're didn't that guy have that any in heat. late '97 was like, I don't know. Man. I think they should make Stone Cold someone we should get behind. <laughs> the one you're cheering for? Uh huh. I want to like him. Okay. Stone Stone Cold was never my favorite, but I never I I totally understood the appeal. But as far as Judgment Day goes, the I mean the only heat that they built was by saying who wasn't there that night. Like Edge isn't here. Boo. <laughs> like nobody cared what they were saying otherwise. Like they they said Edge wasn't there. They said the Mysterios weren't there. They got more heat for telling people who wasn't on the card that night. Than anything that they that said. Be their it's, whole gimmick. It's looking dead. They just come out and yeah. say who's not going to be there. <laughs> Letting the crowd down. Oh god. The disappointment all, day. Just list all the Hall of Famers who aren't going to show Reigns up tonight. Has the week off. He's on vacation. Seth and Becky, Becky are on their anniversary honeymoon. <laughs> yeah. Someone That's had a really slight cough. Funny. Just to be safe, they didn't come to work today. It's crazy times, and they come out every time differently to do it. Um, no, they came out. I understand uh, Finn Balor's uh, "Today's My Birthday" line because they basically dressed up as Applebee's waiters last night uh, to start the episode. I mean, that's what they. That's all I saw. It was just black pants, black shirts. I'm like, all right, well, give me the apron, the bad sprinklers, and the wrong. Get the wrong table that you sing to. And that's who Applebee's they are. sommeliers, John. Sommeliers. Whatever. They're here to bring the the finest boxed wine to you. Can I ask, um, do you think that maybe the Mysterios aren't the right fit for the Judgment Day? I, I don't know that uh, Randy Savage crossed with Kurt Angle wearing NWO gear 
is the right fit for the Judgment Day. That's my honest opinion at this point. <laughs> just like, do you both think that Edge is kind of Edge is going to kill him next week? I don't week? think anyone like, cares anymore because of all the. I think that was a Vince storyline that was being built up, and I think Hunter's just like I don't know. I guess because it's Edge, they're still going with it, but it sure seems like it's just fifth or sixth or seventh in the just in the one show in terms of what we're supposed to care about. I mean, they gave it seg one, but do you so think, obviously it's do you, important. But do you think that's a blow off though? Do you think that, that it's literally like, okay, let's just end this here. Cause I just don't, I don't see it having legs at They've all. Invested so much. And like you said with Rhea, well, I mean, that's just, she's, she's doing such a good job that it's just like, the problem is I think that I like, I love the idea of a cult that's led by Rhea Ripley. I love that idea. I love the idea of a female driven cult where it's a strong woman and she's got, you know, the henchmen to like do her bidding. That to me is like a real, that's a, uh, Tom, I know you're going to say this, do- that doesn't exist, but it's a good, uh, DC comics movie to me where I'm like, Ooh, dark, dark villainous. And she's got some henchmen, some stooges, but the problem is, wasn't there a CW actress who actually did that? <laughs> I, I wouldn't doubt that it's real. Well, nowadays, they I think just, it's actually happened in real life, but, uh, well, can we Burn. can we talk about the el- yeah? Let's talk about the elephant in the room though, because some so they said the Mysterios weren't there, but at least one was because Ray showed up. Yeah, and so the- now we have the issue of okay, we're teasing that Ray and other male performers can't hit Rhea, but she can hit them. Yes, I that agree with you. This is, is a problem. Be tricky. This is a problem. Super tricky. You know, yeah, I don't. Cause- you need. The Mysterios need to bring on a female who can go against Rhea. Otherwise, the whole Rhea's whole thing is, haha, oh, I get in the way because I'm a girl. So that's that, my issue. Is yeah. like that's all Rhea does is she just puts herself yeah. in harm's way because she's daughter, a woman. Maybe? This is weird. I don't think well, I don't think Ray's daughter is I don't I think you need someone pretty intense to ch- go up against Rhea. Yeah. And I don't think Ray's daughter's enough. You need a challenge for Rhea, but the problem is that Rhea is essentially in the men's division right now, which is also a problem for her because yes. that means does, that she's not wrestling her. women. She's going to be in the Yeah. I'd say, by the way, it, did it you guys see but the, it, the clip of Nia Jax? What year was that from, Julie? Was that from 2020? It looked like 2020, but that had to be older, right? Todd, do you know, know what year there are fans? There's a clip that's going viral of Nia, of, uh, Nia Jax in the men's rumble, and Everyone, including Rey Mysterio, is just, just like kicking her in the head and everything. And it was during the PG era. It's been going viral on Twitter. No yelling of my hole, though. So, didn't count. Um, I want to say that was 2018. Uh, there were fans, so it definitely wasn't during Thunderdome. Right. And it wasn't recent, because she's been, been 2019. Gone, but, yeah. It was 18 day of the Women's Rumble. Anyway, we'll just say it right here. Like, is, this, is there any way to get out of this with the Judgment Day? Like, I just feel it just feels too crowded. I thought they were going to have their blow off a couple weeks ago. Then they did a really compelling backstage after. And I was like, oh, now I'm hooked again. But now there's just too much shit going on on the show. I think that's they're going to have to. To me, there's talk about doing another draft. And uh, that's got to be cleared up by the draft to make that work. Everyone in this storyline deserves better. (laughs) Yeah, that's all I can say. Everyone. Yeah, and it and it has taken everyone down with it. Like it, all, it yeah, everyone involved has gone down a peg thanks yeah. to the judgment day and being versus the judgment day. It hasn't helped It anyone. reminds me of unnecessary sitcom retoolings, like in the early nineties. Remember like like uh hanging with Mr. Cooper? 
Mr. Cooper was in it for one year and he had two roommates and then the next year, like it was different roommates and there was no explanation. And he went from being like a uh, former player for the Warriors to just being like a gym coach. And I was like, and they had a different theme song. <laughs> and I was like, what's the problem with this? The first one was way better. That's what I feel. I was like, edge faction. All right, great. I'm on board. And then I was like, um, uh, we've gotten some feed, some, some focus groups. And they've said that edge is too edgy. He is out. Now go get a bad haircut and come back and embarrass yourself. Um, you know who should flip well, and, on the and, judgment day and uh, join the Mysterios? The Undertaker's chair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'll be chair. And then there'll be a run in by tractor. And then somehow <laughs> there'll be a Survivor Series match where the last two standing are <laughs> chair and tractor. Oh my God, oh. it's chair and tractor! But for, for the love of God. <laughs> but there's a run in. There's a run in at the end by robotic spider. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> or a, a crawl. For the love of God, crawl faster. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I will say the robotic spider and the tractor would be neck and neck in their entrances coming down. <laughs> nice, nice and slow. Nice and slow. Please. We only Julie, have four hours here. We're, we're an hour 15 into this. I don't need this anymore. I'm in turnbuckles TikTok videos. You see it? How many hits I'm getting? I'll leave in five minutes if they're not in the ring. Michael Cole, way, I bet, has seen on- our shit. By the way, if you go to at uh, turnbuckles pod on uh, TikTok, that Michael Cole video has got like we're coming up to half a million fucking views at this point. I guarantee really? Michael's seen it by now, and is so pissed. Him and his whole family, you, apparently. I mean, it's. Uh, um. I'm happy for it. By the way, Julie, later we get to talk to uh, talk about the other victim of the robotic spider because he's involved in a match that we are we're going to cover. Mr. Redbeard. Okay. Uh, yeah. So then we have Dolphin Theory. Now this is where it gets interesting. This is this is the the the, the, this, the episode's about backstage brawl. Dolph Ziggler uh, theory. Um, okay, I th- I think I know what this is going to be. So um, th- wait, John, before the brawl though. Theory cut his best promo ever. That was a really good promo that he cut on. Julie Dahl. saying no, and he called. He called him. Tend to agree. He called Julie. him a has been who might not even be around when he cashes in the money in the bank briefcase. Like that was a good oh, burn. That is a good burn, and it was delivered very well. But Julie did it not, seem a little. I don't think it was delivered well. Not yes, when you have someone like Kevin Owens on the mic. I don't think it was. This is where I struggle oh, with that, theory. But that's an unfair comparison. I mean, but again, if, if he is a 24-year-old, unbelievable superstar who is going to be like John Cena as compared to John Cena, he has got to be a lot fucking funnier. He's got to be a lot fucking better on the mic. He is not going to have an acting career if Whoa, that is the Julie's way he's delivering lines. Blue. I don't know. I, I agree. We're in the, I mean, we're in the TV it, it 14 era of turnbuckles now. Huh? Tom, Tom, you're going to blame my expectations. You're going to blame no, my, my expectations for going to kiss somebody. What's going to happen here? The, the, the thing about theory is that he's had issues with credibility. And one of the things that he did was he delivered that promo with, with that good line to uh, Dolph Ziggler's eyes, which has been a problem for him because he's been kind of searching for the words sometimes but I thought it was well delivered. I don't think it's I would like nearly to see a reverse angle like and you see that Dolph third. has two tiny cue cards just on his eyelids. Because <laughs> <laughs> it still felt that way to me. I was like, nah. Or if, or if they did an, a crazy trick where they like wrote it in reverse and held it up so we could see the reflection. Okay, this is what I'm supposed to say. How, however it worked, it worked, and it was a good backstage brawl. The match, 
Well, let's oh. talk about the brawl first. So they, they go backstage, they fight, they go to commercial, and it was like a crash TV. There you go, Tom. It's coming back. <gasps> boom. Don't don't say that in front of Paul Heyman. It's a crash TV. And they come back. And during the commercial, they keep brawling. Now, this is where this is where they're saying you gotta pay attention. This is where they're saying you can't discount the replays. And Julie, to your point a minute ago about the re- the packages and the cinematic stuff, it said they come back and there's a replay. And I'm thinking, okay, no big deal. I don't really pay much attention to it. Wake up this morning, top three tw- trend on Twitter, uh, Bray's hand. <gasps> and I'm thinking, what? And then I go and I, it's in the replay from coming back from commercial in the dressing room. Uh, Dolph and Theory having this giant massive brawl that's a pull apart, becomes a pull apart scene. And as they're being pulled apart in the background, sort of like uh, the, the so-called ghost in Three Men and a Baby, turns out to be a Ted Danson cutout. Um, you could see this hand, this ominous hand. Julie's buckling over at that. Uh, it turns out to be this giant that hand that, that comes and, and makes it, just sticks in the doorway. And the hand is wearing a le- black leather coat, right? If I'm, if I'm not mistaken. And yep. a very giant mitt of a hand. And now some people online are saying this is just Dexter Loomis. That's what they're saying. Maybe, but it sh- as someone who's seen in person the leather jacket and that big glove, it sure looked like someone else to me. And I mean, it wouldn't make any sense as Dexter Loomis. No. And in all that chaos, and I like the idea of, so if it is Bray Wyatt, I like the idea of maybe his hand just kind of shows up to puppeteer little brawls backstage and little like, I like that idea. Or he, it's him sending the signal that the puppets are gone. Motherfucker. This it's just, it's just the fiend. It's just, there is no Bray. There is no Funhouse right now. It's the fucking fiend. And this is what you got to deal with. See this. What if he's been there for weeks and we've just missed little details? I know. Thinking about that, like someone's <laughs> gonna find that. Oh, like I almost want to go back to every replay now and look and see if you can see like that hand. Because Jesus Christ, we're all so dumb. If no, oh, this is the one thing. But that's brilliant if they were able to pull that off. Um, but will you be upset if it turns out that it's not Bray and it, it is would, Dexter Loomis? I don't think it's Dexter Loomis. I'm very confident in saying because Dexter Loomis appears to have he's going after AJ Styles for some reason. And I think it's going to I think whoever this figure was with their hand sticking through, I think they're going to be the next obstacle for Mr. Theory. And I think that we saw yeah, we saw it, Dolph as a stopgap because we know Dolph's like a Miz type guy, he's a utility player at this point, he can go over, he could be your champion, he can help put someone else over. And I think that he was a, did a very, very, very strong job over the past several weeks, keeping theory relevant, keeping that angle going in the, the dog days of summer and lost last night. You know, theory kind of took care of business and that felt like a blow off to me. So in the same episode, you have this mysterious hand show up in the background of Austin theory. And then uh, Dolph goes over and I'm like, I think I know who's next. By the way, Julie, I'm after jousting with you, I'm going to totally agree with you on a point that you made a little while back regarding the Dolph Ziggler and Theory match. Well, let's talk about the match um, right now. Let's too much there. wrestling. Let, 
It was way too just, it was just a wrestling match. And that one did not feel like stakes. Now, one of the things I've seen as far as like uh, breaking down how Raw has been lately, it seems like they are throwing away the third hour because they're not putting the main events there. So that seems like it's a choice. And there were two really great matches on Raw last night, one which I think is the best TV match of the year so far. And Drew McIntyre, that Kevin wasn't Owens. it. Drew McIntyre, Kevin Owens was phenomenal. Yeah. Just a, a great match, pay-per-view quality, two of the best performers. And, and d- I had no clue that they were actually going to make this happen. I thought, I thought that officials were going to come break it up. They'd put it on a pay-per-view. Nope, we get it. And it was great. What was the line? It was like, we're two wrestlers standing in a wrestling ring. Why don't we just wrestle? And three times to argue that Vince, uh, Bruce's uh, shot collar went <laughs> and his secret walkie-talkie was like, God damn it. They said wrestling with you a though, lot. Tom, in the, in the past three Raws that we've watched, I have felt that there isn't enough backstory or context to why these pairings are happening. Why are these fights happening? You can have a lot of action happen in the ring and you can have these matches um, say a lot, but if you don't give me context up front for why I care or why something happens, you end up with a lot of injuries in the ring. And I keep seeing that over and over again, where someone gets injured halfway through the match and that's why they lose. And I'm like, K-fabe. an injury is yeah. not enough. Kayfabe yeah. injured, kayfabe well, cracked, kayfabe injured. Well, and I was like, this is, this is a, the problem I'm, when you don't have story. Yeah. And I know you weren't a fan of the theory promo on Dolph, but I think we may have seen one of the best promos I don't know in how long between uh, McIntyre and yes. Kevin Owens. Yes. And yes. I loved that it started real. And it might that have been. That was great. Well, Kevin, but the thing is, remem- remember the first half of the promo was very generic. It was. WWE as of late promo by Drew McIntyre. And Let's when Kevin Owens showed up, he turned the, he absolutely turned the volume all the Ooh. way up to 11. And then got it out of Drew as I think, well. I which think was he shot a lot. Awesome. I think one or two of those lines, because you know Drew's a very nice guy, right, Julie? You could attest to that. Yeah, yeah, fine gentleman. But does get pissed if someone goes on into business for themselves. And there was he tilted his head at one line where you could tell he was like, "The fuck was that?" Like that Owen said. And I think Kevin, because he goes so quick, may have may have just run a little too fast. And it did feel like, yeah, we better go to commercial. So either it was real or they did a good job making it feel that way. And yeah, I think uh, Kevin's well, that they, good. When they came back. Yeah. I when think they came Kevin's back from also commercial to the match, though. I think he's also super. I mean, I would be if I were him. He's probably super pissed at what he's been involved in. I mean, God, you wrestle Stone Cold Steve Austin. You carry that match at WrestleMania, right? You're, I mean, that, you can't get a bigger rub and you're like, who are you fighting after that? Fucking Ezekiel fuck is that shit? I mean, that's awful. Yep. You know, you, it's like you don't see a team win the NBA championship, you know, and then play the Knicks on opening night or whatever shitty team it is. I mean, it's like you should be going up against whatever. So I think, and if you follow Kevin, I also Owens on think Twitter, that's, that's because Kevin Owens is so good at not only on the mic being dramatic, but he is genuinely a very funny person. And Vince he's one of the few people Kevin who Owens can do fan. comedy. Vince doesn't like, Kevin well, Owens. that was, that was, well, we know why. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. his physique. That's Let's it. Let's get into that. Like he was quick. great elsewhere. It was his physique. That's it. That came out this weekend. Um, 
Bray Wyatt, according to Fightful Select, uh, very reliable source, uh, Vince was always shaming Bray Wyatt uh, for his physique and uh, calling him, um, well, fat. Let's just say it. And um, I've heard him call Kevin Owens fat. I'm sure you probably did too, Julie, or some variation of that. So, yeah, there, that's a thing. And I think that that's pent up anger. But at the same time, you know, these guys are NXT guys. Hunter loves these guys. He likes what they can do, not how they look, not what they are. I just want to say also that that really, that really sucks that Bray was also labeled. We've talked about this before, the quote, difficult label with Bray Wyatt. And when he got let go, uh, they said he was difficult. And then they said he was out of shape. And they buried this shit out of him. And you know what I always found interesting at the time? Is that if you saw Bray's like Instagram or whatever, he wasn't out of shape. He looked great. He looked better than he had ever in years. He did the muscle man dance. You know the beating that guy had to take in that fucking terrible Hell in a Cell match with Seth Rollins? I mean, that was fucking real. That he was getting beat up like that. And you're saying he's out of shape? So that's just a so bullshit Bray thing. That, experienced that this, what 95% of women experience. 95% well, of women. And, and a lot of dudes, too. I mean, that's a thing at that place. Absolutely. You absolutely. don't. I mean, it's a very. There would be people, there would be names that um, some of whom are in the news right now as very highly respected writers from WWE. And you'd still hear someone shit on them every now and then. Legit. And then the room would join in. So, bullshit. So it's just that's that's a shit environment. And it's just like, like, I'm not saying overall it's a shit environment, but it's shitty when people do that. And that's become like, well, that's become a thing in all of entertainment now is that when someone walks out for good reason, they get labeled difficult. And then like eight years later, whether it's film, TV or wrestling, then you find out why they walked out. You go, fuck, that's horrible. Well, what are you going to do? Give them back the eight years they just lost. So, yeah. So it's like. That's why when it's like they're trying to find the leak at WWE, like who's letting the stuff up, man, fucking good luck. <laughs> I mean, just, well, we know it's not Vince and that's about it. <laughs> Unless he's really swerving us. Mm, they'll never fucking think it's me. I'm going to ruin my fucking life. Well, and, and Vince should remember of all people, Vince should remember about people without the greatest physiques drawing money. Who drew more money than Andre the Giant? Who drew more money Dusty than Dusty Rhodes? Yeah. I mean, it's when people want to see you. Yokozuna. God, how many Yokozuna years? Was, people talk about Yoko like he was a, a flash of man. Dude, that guy was around half a de- fucking decade. That guy. Yep. When people want to see you, they want to see you. They don't care what shape you come in. As long as you can work a match, as long as you can work a mic, you're a wrestler. And as far as, as Bray Wyatt and Julius Kevin Smith. Owens goes, I mean, Bray Wyatt and Kevin Owens are both in very good shape for their sizes. They're not small I men. Just say like, that- I, and by the way, I love bodybuilding. I love bodybuilding. I'm a lifelong bodybuilding fanatic, and I don't care what these guys look like as long as they're good on the mic and as long as they're good in the ring. That's all that matters. And a guy like Bray Wyatt, who, by the way, Last we saw him, a buddy of mine saw him at the Hollywood Improv in L.A., and he was very much in shape. Ripped. And Kevin Owens has gotten in better shape after signing his big contract. Was going to, which you would, he was going to a lot. Of, I know a lot of that, folks down there that saw him at different comedy shows in L.A., and they said, man, that guy's ripped. Yep. That guy looks like the best he's looked in years. And they thought he was going to AEW like 
any day at the time. Maybe he was. And then he saw. And then he well, said, "I'm going to check out AEW my new boss stand. on Twitter." Holy shit! <laughs> as a, his real as an tweets AEW make less stand, sense than I gotta my tell you. Sto- than my haikus that I post every two weeks. I am very happy he did not go to AEW. Oh god! And I love Fuck. AEW, but because it, they just couldn't service what he that needs to been. do. And WWE, they're probably the only company outside of a movie company that can. I'm happy for CM Punk because he got to make such a great comeback and he's, he's dictating. He belongs yes, there. But even him, I'm like, uh, it's only 80 cents on the dollar of what they could be doing with CM Punk. Like, I know he's been injured and I'm still just like, we'll get to AEW and sometimes why in a little bit. But um, can yeah, I just I say too, My thing John, on Kevin Owens we... is, look, he had a great match with Drew McIntyre last night. And the other thing is, I don't care how he looks. Take like. The, the skill set, the move set that Kevin Owens has in the ring, show me a, a jacked up dude that can do all that fucking shit. And also, look at, go back and watch that Stone Cold Steve Austin match. I, nothing against Steve Austin. Um, I think I've gotten to work with him at two or three different TV shows, and including Monday Night Raw. Super nice guy. I mean, dude had his baggage 20-something years ago, but whatever's going on now, he became a really nice guy, really funny, really humble, shakes your hand, gets to know you. Um, and I say this with all due respect, that first 90 minutes of that match against Owens, he looked like a cadaver. I mean, it was really, we were texting each other, we were on a text chain, we were all just like, oh, fuck. Because you knew this train had left the station. You're like, they gotta go 15 at least here. And Steve was not getting up. Like, Steve was like, you know, it was the, you know... <laughs> just waiting to the, for the, the sack of shit move because it was really just like, what else can I do uh, that Razor Ramon used to do? And um, But then Ke- then he got going. Then he got warmed up. And you could see KO kind of change things around and be like, well, let's do this a little bit. Let's see this. And he figured out in the moment, fuck, this isn't working. We got to change our strategy. And by the end of that match, fantastic. So uh, ridiculous. Anyone that says Kevin Owens is too fat and you know who you are, uh, fuck off. Not true. I'm just going to say it. Same thing with Bray. Not even fucking close to too fat. Not even close, that dude. He's a giant fucking dude. So, yeah, if, muscle. If you think those two are fat, I would invite anyone of any type of shape. Go ahead and try to do a KO cannonball without landing on your head and breaking yeah, your neck. Go ahead and try to do the crab walk like Bray Wyatt and see if you don't snap your back in half. Yeah. Go ahead. I want to remind everybody Give a that iconic gif that you see all the time on Twitter with uh, the undertaker and Bray. Yeah, that happened. That's real. Bray did that, but I don't know. I guess he's quote out of shape and difficult for some reason, just because why? Like Julie, were you there at all for any of those meetings in the, in the PC when they were just like, Bray, you're going to play like all four of your different characters without any explanation at all. Was that after you'd left no. when he all of a sudden he was fight. He was the fiend and selling 75% of their merchandise. And they were like, we have an idea. You're going to go back to the swamp and dress like Jimmy Buffett mm-hmm. again. Well, it made no sense. And then he killed Braun Strowman. Remember he killed him? He drowned him in the water. Oh, it's wait. P- a, yeah. I, it's PG. So we're going to murder anything. someone. And then we're going to cut someone's eyeball out. And they're going to be was back in two weeks. after the John Cena WrestleMania? I loved the John Cena WrestleMania. That was so good. Him and John. Oh, the Firefly Fun. I've talked about that before. Yeah. I taught a, it, it, one of my classes of writing the short film and the kids all popped for Bray. And they said, so man, good. he's going to be, they said he's going to be the next John Cena. They said, this guy's, they said, we don't know the storyline, but they said, this guy, we don't know what's about him. He was so compelling that he managed, like we knew the story by the end of it. 
And the comparison they I'm, made was, I think you should leave with Tim Robinson. They were like, this is wrestling's answer to, I think you should leave. Like, just what, like, you know, the sketch that uh, Calico cut pants and I think you should leave where it's, uh, there are these pants that have spots on them. They come with spots on them allegedly. So if you piss your pants, you can say, no, man, they're just calico cut pants. And then it becomes very dark and weird. And they were like, that's what this is. Of wrestling. <laughs> Every Tim Robinson sketch. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. So I'm just like everyone out there that's like, uh, I, I sent Stephanie McMahon all the reflections. And I was like, there's 16, 16, to, 16 to zero that they all like the Bray Wyatt Firefly Funhouse match over the, the, uh, the, the Boneyard match. So. But that's why. Like that, and that's why his hand is back. That's why his hand is back. It's a TikTok era, man. It's been said that you, you to expect the unexpected here in WWE, and that includes something called Toctic. What the fuck is it? I don't know. God damn it. We're just going to say MySpace. I think, John, if I could pick you being hired by WWE again, I would love to exclusively have you write the segues going from oh, I'm sorry. Like, match... I- I just saw there's a, a, a John Backstrom's head exploded. I could see it all the way from New Hampshire. Holy shit. You should see this. The sky is all black. Oh, just hit my window. My God, please, Julie, you got to tell me when you're going to do that. I got to cover, cover everyone's ears. That's the first time I mentioned him on the podcast, by the way, it to my credit. So uh, there you go. I will, there was this, there was this moment where we went from the women's tag team uh, tournament that to to the backstage with Theory and Dolph, and it said, "Wow, this tag team tournament is really heating up." And I was like, "That's <laughs> your segue." Yeah, I gotta say, really? two things I'll put out there. I'm very happy with what I'm doing now. Uh, very happy where <laughs> I am and what I'm doing. But if there are a way to do it remotely, I would. Two things I'd be happy to do. I like anyone, right? Punch up, help out, contribute in any way to. Um, certain fun house were it to come back but also yeah maybe just be like hey can the commentators act like something just fucking happened here and yeah, not just be like in a, rough, like man. a leslie nielsen movie and just act like yes. just everything's fucking fine and make a joke out of it that sounded like robo commentary from like nba jam <laughs> which yeah. just completely jimmy smith like uh, i mean he's you have someone must be in his ear because like yeah, he's literally, you know what they are? They're the, they're the team covering the Thanksgiving parade. Oh, no. Doing wrestling. No, they are. <laughs> That's so true. Oh, no. It's totally fucking true. It's like, it's just being like, Oof. there you see a big brawl in the locker room. This brawl is taking place during the commercial break. What's this coming to the ring? Oh, it's Alexa Bliss and her doll. Fun fact about the doll. Yeah, it's just the, it's the parade crew. There's just something but it's so weird no, because they're too smartened up. It, like, you know, in the attitude era, uh, Jr. I mean, as we all know, Vince would shoot on Jr. all the time, all the fucking time, but Lawler and Julie, I don't know if Jerry did this when you were there. Uh, he would not get a script. He, he, he calls it, uh, as a shoot. And so is that true? He, that's true. He did it. Wow. I didn't think it was, I thought that was just like a myth. And then I saw him do it. He would all those moments in raw from like the late nineties early where he's going, ah! What? Like, that's all legit because, and he talked about it. He's like, I'm not a good at, he's like the only time, like even when he got up, I mean, he almost blew it. If you go back and watch the Andy Kaufman clip, there's a hesitation Jerry has right before. He's like, I'm not really about to hit you. Am I? 
And so he even said, he's like, I'm not a great actor. So he's like, I just, it's easy for me to just call it and just be legitimately. But as you said, in today's day and age, when people can hit rewind and go on Twitter and stuff. Yeah. Maybe not the best, uh, best thing to have going for you, but let's get to the finish of the match. We spent enough time on memory lane. It just was wrestling. Is that how you guys feel? Just like no real. Are we on dolphin theory? Yeah. I know we've, we've we've gone off on a tangent a bit. We have gone on. I was like, we're on Drew. But we and had Owens good conversation. It was flowing. We did have great conversation. Yeah. I agree. We yeah, should be I commentators on Monday Night Raw. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Were you guys okay with the finish of KO and Drew? Because I was. Yes, I was. I thought it was perfect. I thought that was perfect. It was good, well-booked, smart. Early 2000s, late 90s. I'd say early yeah, 2000s. set up a lot. Early 2000s booking, where it made some sense and was crazy enough to still be entertaining. Right. For a DQ finish, it set stuff yep. up, which I liked a lot. And it also la- leaves it, it on it, the it table that six months or three months down the road, hey, man, we never fucking finished this match. You know, when maybe someone has a title or there's something at stake, let's finish this match right now. I loved it. I thought the it was Drew, great. The Drew and Owens segment should have opened the show it was so good yeah. it was so or God, close you're right. to i don't it was so it, it set the whole yep. tone yeah. for the rest of the show for me and if you had started the show with that whereas judgment day judgment day felt like bailey again do you know what i, I think, mean with bailey yeah. kind of fumbling on the mic and i'm when like this saul is like you're on, opening the show saul's on it like i think nine so or 10, right yeah yeah well that's why probably they probably figured like if we blow customer. everything early if, if people yeah. see the judgment come out against Bob Odenkirk, <laughs> they're not sticking around to watch the judgment day. I'm sorry. I, I may be biased as a comedy nerd, but they're not going to want, they're going to turn it to Saul. So I think when a drew yeah, came out, that, then raw, you saw that raw was bookended very poorly. Yeah. And then you see KO. I thought it was great. I thought it was, I thought it did two things, a bunch of things. I thought it, it was entertaining period. I will just say it was a great match from the, from the, the spontaneous build to the match itself. It was entertaining. It, it entertained me the whole time. It took me on a really good path. It laid the the groundwork for a rematch down the line without anyone having to be weakened or do the honors. And then the ending, yes, it was a non-finish, but it was a non-finish that furthered a storyline 
And it also furthers KO's storyline, which is like, all right, he didn't get what he wanted there. Who's he going to go after next? You know? Well, also, neither performer can lose and not get hurt too much because Drew's going into a title match with uh, Roman Reigns and KO, you're building back up to main eventer. Neither guy can lose. So that's the perfect ending because otherwise you have to hurt someone. And there's and neither of those guys can afford to be hurt but right Drew, now. Now, Kevin Owens, he also he summoned the prize fighter, which was his moniker back in the day in NXT. Mm-hmm. And that character, again, a character Triple H loved is back. And that's the right incarnation of Kevin Owens to put him back in the main event picture. As I said, he, he he's a guy that I could see watching soccer on a Saturday next to. He's my hero. When I was a kid, I told you guys I dreamt of being the ultimate warrior. No, no, I just want to be Kevin Owens. I just want to show up in some comfortable pants with my beard, you know, maybe just have a cup of coffee and just be like, oh, what'd you do? Can I share my Kevin Owens story? Yes. We were at the PC. Yeah. And it was the very height of COVID and people weren't wearing masks. And Kevin Owens went to bat for the people who were like, please wear a mask here, went to, to Vince McMahon. And then all of a sudden, after Kevin Owens had that conversation, um, there were signs posted all around the PC saying, if you're caught not wearing mask, you will be fined. Interesting. Was yeah. did, Now so, I got to ask you the, the million dollar question. Did Vince wear a mask? Yeah, Vince wore a mask. I knew it. I knew he would. I bet you he got the vaccine. I bet you he was one of those guys that got like every fucking vaccine the minute it came out, right? There is no sick. People, I had fights with people about that. They were like, I bet your old boss doesn't uh, wear a mask. And I was like, which old boss? And they said, uh, the Vince one. I said, oh, well, that guy, yeah, he's wearing like eight masks, even if there is no COVID, probably. So just someone sneezes in that fucking place. That's, that's his, (laughs) at least, that's his redeeming quality. I think he kept his distance. Yeah, Vince is a germaphobe. How could, how could he not take care of the mask situation? They had their stock, the shareholders call today. Why didn't they, Steph said all these wonderful things. She should have just said, yeah, he's a huge germaphobe, and nowadays people will be like, oh, God, God bless him. Yes, we love that man. Because I was like, that's the one quality about Vince. Like, people would always say to me, they'd be like, yeah, he, uh, he hates it when you don't push your chair back in after the meeting. And uh, get this, he doesn't like when you sneeze at him. And I was like, oh, so he's a normal person? Who the fuck likes either of those things? Like, Bruce, Bruce had a briefing with me about some stuff, one of, one of which being... Don't mention Linda. They're no longer an item and such and such. But the two big things oh were trying to. Oh my God, he said that to you? No, he didn't. Yes. No, he did not. Yes. Oh my God. Breaking so, news. That's not so in a group weird. setting. It was a one on one. Just so you know, you're a new guy here. Don't bring it up. Don't try to make small talk. Because Bruce said, I don't have time to know your, li- your family situation. Just so you know, Vince is, he's a, uh, you know, he's. He's living on his own these days. And it's just like, okay. John, I know you've seen this. Julie, have you ever seen the movie UHF with Weird Al? There's, there's a scene in the movie. The, the, uh, the bad guy in the movie, is, he runs a, a big corp, he, he, a corporate like news station. And he's in the boardroom. And Weird Al, who owns a tiny UHF uh, station, has a package that, suppo- that belongs to him. And so he goes into the newsroom looking for this man who is this evil, horrible man. And he calls him by his first name. He says, hey, RJ. And the entire newsroom stops moving and all of the noise in the newsroom stops. 
That's how I would imagine it. If you were just, if someone just walked up to Vince and was like, Hey, how's Linda doing? <laughs> you never know, man. You can't rule it out. I I'm, guess. I'm a, I've gotten better. Did you, did you talk about Linda in the interview? And he's like, Hey, maybe don't bring that up. It just, no, feels so it was in our, it me. was right before we were going up for a meeting and, and Bruce Pritchard yeah. to his credit. And it was almost like a dream come true because that's what brought me back into wrestling was listening to something. Linda to McMahon? With Bruce Pritchard. no, listening to something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard and Conrad Thompson. And I identified with Bruce quite a bit from my Fallon experience and hearing his story at WWE. And there was a lot Mm -hmm. of like, yeah, I fucked up. I could have done this better. And there was an also a lot of like, yeah, yeah, this was bullshit. And as you go away from times, you look at certain situations and you learn what to take with you from it. And also what to forgive yourself for and be like, yeah, that's not my fucking problem. And so Bruce was like a hero of mine, still is, uh, is someone to listen to his podcast and just the way he approaches things. That's where I learned to say, what if that's, he gave me my favorite, uh, in person to person when I was leaving, he gave me the best advice I ever had, which was always take control of the moment and make it work for you. So even when things are shitty, you don't say, well, I can't do this and that you go, what can you do? And so it was really surreal, but like, those are the things, but the two big things were push your chair in. And don't sneeze. And I was like, so behave with some dignity. Like, what's the big deal? <laughs> like, I just don't, I don't get it. Like, I don't get why everyone thinks it's like, he's such a weirdo that it's like, he doesn't want you sneezing on his table and just leaving the furniture all over the fucking place. Julie, you remember our conference room at Fab? I'd be in there every day at six fifteen, pushing in all those fucking chairs and yelling at everybody. Now, in, in retrospect, that's a, that's a thing I shouldn't have done. When you're yelling at an empty room, people might get the wrong idea, but Um, I stand by pushing all the chairs in and I say that people who don't are fucking animals. And I side with Vince McMahon on at least just that issue. Push your chairs in everybody. God damn it. Supposed to go with the table, not fucking Hawaii. All right. It's part of the continent. That's my promo on furniture. Everybody. They're going to, they're going to rehire me, but it's going to be to write for undertaker's chair. I'd watch. I that. heard uh, that other guy from New Hampshire uh, talking about chairs. Uh. Anyway, um, so yeah, the match they they have. Let's let's keep things going here. Let's go to Dexter Loomis. He appears again. Bobby Lashley, AJ Styles. Sure seems like Dexter Loomis. Now we didn't get to talk about this. I just want to say that uh, I'll say this again. I think we had to uh, snip this part out because we had Amanda Stonehall on last week, who was fantastic. And gave us a lot of great insight into the WWE's uh, marketing and social media programs. Tremendous. And Julie, we're going to have her back, right? We want to talk how we can fix AEW at some point. Um, Dexter Loomis. I'm a fan of this. I like this character. I like this build. I know you guys aren't on board, but the thing I will admit, stupidest fucking name of all time. Dexter Loomis. That's, that's as Bruce would call it, a box of gimmicks. It's, it's like, he needs to be angry. I know. Let's take the name of a famous killer from a show and not change it at all. Dexter. Yep, that works. And then we'll take Loomis, as in Dr. Loomis, from a thing. We, we'll change one letter in that, and he'll be Dexter Loomis, which still sounds a lot like Dr. Loomis. Get out there and go. So dumb fucking name. But I like what they're doing with him. But I will say that this time. Well, but hang on one second, because they, there was something in the show last night that probably shouldn't have what? been. And it, this is a, just a little technical thing. Uh-oh. But so when Dexter Loomis 
uh, tried to enter the ringside area, he was obscured. You still couldn't see it was him. Oh, yeah. But then they come back from commercial break, and I think it was Jimmy Smith says, well, that was Dexter Loomis. He was uh, he's, he used to work here, but not like he said something. And they should. And then Corey Graves like corrected him and said he shouldn't, you know, don't give that guy any airtime. They shouldn't have done That's it at all. That's a good save. That's a good save. Yeah. They, I mean, well, good save on Graves' part, but yeah. clearly, you know, Smith didn't do that without direction. Uh, they shouldn't have included the name. But other than that, I, I, like, I, I like what they're doing. It's, again, I don't think Loomis is tremendously impressive, but I'm willing to, I'm willing to go with this. You know, a theory I saw making the rounds uh, more than one place, so it'd be too many people to give credit. But. An Austin theory? Dead joke. You stealing my dad jokes? Stealing them like Vince stole Theory's first name. Yeah. <laughs> which he'll, he'll probably get back, by the way. The rumor is that first and last names that have disappeared are going to reappear soon. Champa, wow. right? Uh, Champa, Riddle, um, the Los Losarios are going to get their Bro last Riddle? names back. What was his first name? Matt, there we go. <laughs> Matthew. Matthew we Riddle. Be He's going to be the next star. Broseph Riddle. Did you guys see when he was on, when he was on our other place we worked to when he was on Fallon? Boy, if you could just bottle that chemistry. He came out to play a game and then that somehow the person won the game and Jimmy just had them shut the curtain on Riddle before he got to fucking do anything. Oh no. Oh no. (laughs) It was very clear. He did not read the rundown and didn't really. And it was like, who's this guy again? Because, you know. Someone named me isn't there Riddle? anymore to tell who all, who all the wrestlers are. And um, he probably read up on some stuff in Mr. Riddle's past and, or, or the ongoing scandal at the time with Vince and, and was like, what the fuck did we book this guy for? And they probably said, well, we told you two days ago. And then Jimmy just had to go with it. And if you watch the, the clip's probably not up anymore. It was in suggestion box. Whoever created that bit, they're a genius uh, and very handsome. And um yeah, Riddle's in it for like a split second. They give him a big intro. He does his thing, and then they get Jimmy goes. I think the I think that's it. They won. You can close the curtain now. And Riddle is like, "What? He's he's, he's shooting. He's like, what the what the fuck?" And it closes. <laughs> it's just it. It was a very UHF moment to call back for a minute. Before. But uh, a theory I saw making the rounds, not Austin, was that Loomis is tied to Bray somehow. That there's kind of kind of a I'm going to throw you way back, Tom, to 1989, to Batman, a Bob the Goon sort of thing going on where maybe oh. the fiend is like the mastermind and Loomis is like one of his uh, missionaries coming in. And do you like that? Do you think that's I good would, for Bray? I, lo- I love it. I think that'd be great. Okay. Tom and I talked about before I went to WWE, we talked about the fiend. Our worry, Tom, I think was that they would go too supernatural with the fiend is that it would get too spooky, creepy. He's got, he could play telepathic games like the undertaker where nowadays you both were it. worried about that. I liked the idea that he was like a Joker like villain that he did. The lights went out. The smoke came up. There was a bunch of bullshit, but it's because he had it like a cult like following that went and fucked with stuff for him. Got it. So got you it. Would, it's so there not, were always like when it. the Joker got robs it. a bank and there's a bunch of guys in Joker. But yeah. And I saw that theory. So he doesn't today. have any, he doesn't have any, I see what you're saying. Supernatural powers he's that demonic. help him like win. He's, dement- he's de- demented. Demented was the word. And he Vince. has loyal followers who got Vince it. Vince kept that's, saying, okay, I, I get that. Demented. Like, that's what we want to like, because he didn't want to say crazy. Vince doesn't like saying crazy because yep. he goes, God damn it. We're all sure. crazy. We're watching this shit. And it's insulting yeah. the mental health. 
he uh, demented was the word. And, and Tom, you remembered Vince loves that word demented. What's you have to wonder what the yep. demented mind of this soul. And so that was the thing is that he tried to name a wrestler Damian Demento. Has, uh, he may have ended the first Monday Night Raw with the Undertaker. And so that was the thing with Bray is that he was his mind was so demented. He might as well be supernatural because he would get ahead of things and fuck with all the equipment and get inside people's heads. So then when we had that thing where I think it was I hate to throw him under the bus. By the way, shout out to Paul Heyman. We haven't seen him for a while. I hope everything's going OK with Mr. Heyman. But I think it he's might advertised for Clash in the Castle. Right. What's I see that? his face. Yes. Well, yeah, we haven't seen hurt. I hope everything's OK, but I think it was Paul's idea because we were booked into a corner because of that bad hell in a cell that, well, Seth just has to go find the fun house. And then, you know, it was the room was always split into two two. It was the, the bookers and the writers. And so that's when Betsy and Aaron and I all just looked at each other like, what the fuck? Like, this is over now. Like, we're just going to have him go to the fun. He's just going to go to a set and beat up Bray. Yeah. And it was his room. Yeah. And like. Yeah, all the painstaking details that made The Fiend, one by one, they kept undoing them. And of course that wasn't going to work. I mean, I, there's no way that you can keep a character like The Undertaker, who had all that mystique behind him, they, did, they undid very little of that. Even when he became a different character, even when he was the American badass biker taker, they didn't really undo what he had done before. He was just different. Uh, you can't build an interesting character and then deconstruct it and expect that that's not going to go the way you feel it's going to go. They worked so hard. And Bray, and, and I want to call back to that article you were talking about earlier, where one of Bray's, one of the criticisms that was levied at Bray from afar was that he was difficult creatively because he would admit when something was shit. Or he would call something out yes. for being shit and, if and, it was shit. And uh, newsflash, everybody, a TV show, you fucking need someone like that. Yep. You need a person who will be honest with you. Because, and I'm speaking to numerous places right now. When you go out, when everyone tells you it's great, and you go out there and suck, you suck. You can't go take that back. You need someone there to say, this is shit, and you shouldn't do it. And if there's people there that keep saying, yes, yes, it's great. You know what you need to do is you need to start listening to this shit person and noticing who's not telling you when things are shit. I'm, not, I'm sorry, because yeah, I mean, my, my only interaction with John Laurinaitis was when he, like in grade school, took all my shit and my shit and moved it to a different chair in front of Vince. This is Vince, my favorite yeah. story. This is my yeah, real favorite quick, John WWE listening. story. We were in a production meeting and I had a seat that I'd been <laughs> sitting in for 20 minutes. Vince was already there eating his steak with his much uh, mustard and ketchup. And uh, John Laurinaitis came in and said, Hey, how you doing? Uh, I'm Johnny. Nice to meet you. And I said, Oh, I'm John. And then even though he already said, I'm he goes, Oh, John, that's my name too. Nice to meet you. And then all he's doing while he's doing that picks up all my stuff with one hand and moves it to uh, two desks down, and then while still shaking my hand, sits in the seat, and I look up, and Vince has, you know, the reading glasses that he has sometimes? Like, he's just looking over the reading glasses, go going like, Ugh. you just see him going, Ugh. and the minute Johnny had a suggestion in that meeting, he goes, well, sir, how's the crowd going on? He goes, we already took care of that, goddammit! Like, he snapped at him immediately. <laughs> like, Vince was just waiting, like, he saw the whole thing. And for what I like, I said, for whatever reason, Vince didn't mind me. And he saw John act like a fucking asshole. 
And as soon as Johnny, he was just waiting for him to have a suggestion and he fucking laid him out. <laughs> and I remember looking at Chad Barbash and he was just kind of, he just kind of gave me a wink like, yeah, it's all going to work. <laughs> like he saw the whole fucking oh, charade, but I'm just going to say that like John Laurinaitis had a reputation for being like, yes, yes, it's great. It'll work. It's perfect. Oh, what's that you want to do, Vince? You want to fire the number one drawing merchandise person in our company as we come out of a pandemic? Yeah, that sounds like a great swell idea. Yeah, no, you need someone there to go, fuck that shit. Fuck that. Yeah, when, when, by the way, when Laurinaitis got fired, and, and Laurinaitis is kind of like Vince's Rudy Giuliani, where he's like most likely to take the fall. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, Vin, Vince may skate, but uh, Laurinaitis at the very least is out. I'd say but Kevin Dunn when, is Giuliani. When, <laughs> we'll break this down another time. We don't, we don't still do there, politics, though. pal. Yeah. But uh, so John Laurinaitis, when he was fired, people on Twitter started to share video of CM Punk yelling at him. And it is a delight. If you have not seen CM Punk cutting promos on John Laurinaitis, who was an on-screen character briefly, because for years you'd only heard about this guy after he was an active wrestler. And even when he was an active wrestler, you didn't hear or see. Created the stunner. Let's give credit where credit's due. He used the stunner before Steve did. Allegedly. Yeah. And so uh kind of did. When Laurinaitis made it to the screen and CM Punk just took all of his creative frustration out on camera on John Laurinaitis. It is wonderful. Created a hostile work environment. Clips. Shoot, that came too late. You said created the stunner. And I was like, I have a joke. I have a joke. I have a joke. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're you're a regular John Laurinaitis there. Oh, sir, remember two <laughs> sir, two minutes ago when we were talking? Why didn't you bring it up two minutes ago? I thought I'd embarrass myself in front of a hundred people I work with. Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. All right. Real quick. Um, John Laurinaitis has a similar voice, Julie, by the way, to someone else we used to work with. I'll, I'll work that in at some point too. But okay. I was saying, yeah. Yeah. We'll do it down the road. We have a breakdown time. We're going to do, we're going to compare who's who at two different workplaces down the oh, road. Oh, sure. Um, but let's go to here. So the, the women's tag title tournament, <sighs> best of intentions, but man, it, it just seems like it's, March Madness. It's dragon. In, in it's dragon. We yeah, got to speed just, this up. Much, this shouldn't be over the course of multiple weeks. We got to we got to keep this thing I moving. I think they should have held off on this because Hunter is such a great booker of tag team wrestling and he understands how to get those teams together that uh I think it felt rushed and unnecessary. I don't know who the teams are. Everyone's just randomly paired. It just feels like uh, you know, a game of uh it just feels like when you partner up to play cornhole or something at a fucking barbecue. Where it's just like, yeah. well, do you both do you both believe that Sasha and Naomi are the final boss for whoever wins the tournament? Because I kind of do. Yeah, I think they challenge sense. who wins. I, I think they come back and they challenge the winner. You know, I, you know, I've pitched this before, and I, by the way, I pitched this to Vince, and we almost this was almost the Facebook show was just a turmoil, and I've said this to you guys before. I think AEW, and this is going to be a good segue because that's where we're going next. AEW. Uh, they are, they're great at tag team wrestling. They've done a really good job establishing their tag team. And I think that'd be a great pay-per-view where it's like a Royal Rumble, but it's just turmoil. It's tag team turmoil. Mm. And you get like 12 like teams. We know like eight of them. Then there's four that we don't know. And out of those four, maybe there's two retros. Maybe you get in a, you know, like not now because of health reasons, but someone like the Dudleys to come in and do a one-off. And uh, I thought that would have been a good way to do the women's turn. But here's the problem. As we've talked about, the two areas where WWE is severely lacking tag teams, which Vince always fucking split up, hates them, and then the women's division. 
And so you got your two things, but it's like, you know, if you keep, I think that would have been a great way to do it would be to have, you know, that, that'd be a great pay-per-view for somebody just turmoil. That's the name of the, the pay-per-view turmoil. And you have a men's well, and a women's and it's like a certain number of teams and the rules to the match. I was, Oh, you want to talk about a bucket list moment? I got to see Pat Patterson explain the rules uh, between the differences between a gauntlet and turmoil. And I'll tell you, they fuck it up. Because Gauntlet Tom, correct me if I'm wrong, that's when one person has to go through a bunch of different opponents, correct? Correct. Turmoil means it's by elimination. So whoever wins a fall, they remain in the ring, and then a new entrant is introduced. I think that's a great fucking, that's, that's a tag team pay-per-view right there. But again, how do you do that when you don't have the base? I don't know, just something to think about. Well, for the women's tag matches that I've seen so far, the match quality has been fine. As far as like who really seems like a tag team, I think that Raquel Rodriguez and Aaliyah mm-hmm. seem like a tag team Me because you too. have the powerhouse babyface or heels. Well, you, what are we thinking? Babyface. Okay. Yeah, for yeah. sure. She's Raquel's awesome. I, I because they just have that they have that dynamic. Now Aaliyah isn't the world's greatest worker, but she can play babyface in peril, yep. and you have the powerhouse waiting to, for the hot tag. I like them as a tag team. They're I, a likable. Hope to, hopefully they'll win. They're I would be version. okay if they won. I agree. Yeah, I like them. If you guys want to check out Monday Night Raw, it is Mondays at eight on USA. Of course, there's NXT Tuesdays at eight on USA, and SmackDown Fridays at eight on Fox. And now it's time for AEW, and sometimes why. AEW and sometimes why. All right, Tommy Rico. So you're our guy. And uh, my favorite guy over there is Dan Housen. And you're saying they got a Dan Housen problem housing over in. Uh, they do. They have a major problem housing what? that uh, they can't that they can't throw human monies at. Um, yeah. So <laughs> when you have a character as over Julie's frowning, it's uh, so Dan Housen, when he's describing how uh he can earn off of a big payday. Uh, he describes what he would earn as human monies uh, because Dan Housen is not Very human. Nice. Very uh, nice. I like that. Guys, Dan Housen is so over. And everywhere you look on AEW television, any pan to the crowd, there's shirts, there's I'm signs. You, your son's going as Dan Housen for Halloween. I'm calling it now. Uh, I got us matching Danhausen shirts because we're going to the Dolores show on uh, September 17th, which is Mexican Independence Day. Uh, we're going to the Republic of Lucha for a live match. There will be oh, AEW nice. talent That's there. That's fucking great. Is Dan, uh, Dan going to be there? Yeah. Danhausen will not be there. But you never um, know. So there, there you is, never know. There are generally surprises. Um, so, but Taya Valkyrie is going to be there. Oh, uh, Brian Cage. Well, what's the problem with Danhausen? Um, what's 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 going on with with our friend Tony Khan? What's happening there? They, I don't want to go in too hard because my question is whether Danhausen is still struggling with recovery from a broken leg, mm. whether it's physical or mental. I'm not sure what's going on, but Danhausen is losing a lot of matches and not spending a lot of time in the ring. If he shouldn't be in the ring, then have him do something else, but keep him on TV. But you can't, you can't keep feeding a character this popular to pinfalls week after week without damaging the character. And so we had Beardhausen, uh, a tag match where uh, Danhausen tagged with. Uh, Eric Redbeard, 
who I don't think is signed to AEW, but he makes occasional appearances. So I think this is his second or third appearance for the company, and he he looks very impressive. Guy busted out a drop kick, a 380-pound drop kick. He's he's amazing. And they were a good team, and they were a fun team together. They faced off uh, against Billy Gunn's Gun Club. It's uh, his two sons. Or as and, I said, Danhausen, you call him, Mr. Asshausen. Well, he called them the ass boys, which was over. But here's the thing about Danhausen. Danhausen does not like Don't swearing. Don't take notes from me, Danhausen. Uh, You're far funnier than any human. <laughs> so when people started chanting ass boys, he started going to the crowd go, and, and waving them off like no swearing, no swearing. Wait, who is so, doing which is that? Danhausen? Danhausen. Yeah, Danhausen, he has a character... So he so has a funny. character flaw where he just he he does not like swearing, <laughs> but people have learned to swear during Danhausen matches, which drives him crazy. Um, and another thing that they haven't done yet, and I can't imagine that this is for like royalty reasons, but so Danhausen on the indie scene, the whoever's handling the tech would sometimes play the song Tequila. And right. Danhausen would do a Pee Wee Herman dance right. while play- and occasionally during the match while doing moves, also doing this dance. Yeah. They haven't done that yet, which is a great gimmick. But you cannot keep beating this guy and devaluing a guy that is that popular. Now, you, you, people can't win every week. It's just that's just the way things go. But when you have a character this hot, if he shouldn't be in the ring, have him do other stuff. I know he's hosting the the like the pre-party for the all-out pay-per-view in september uh he should be on it if he can wrestle if he can't wrestle he shouldn't be wrestling but i love the guy and i don't know what they're doing he ate a pinfall loss in this match and it was a quick match it was eric redbeard did all the heavy lifting and dan Housen was in there basically just to get beat um i'm not that fond of billy Gunn's sons uh they're okay uh, but they're nobody that should be built up over a character as clearly over as Danhausen. So I'm not sure what they're doing with the booking, but it's not it's not going well. I thought they um, should have be- done more with that lawyer storyline. Like I thought that was one that had I mean, I know no leg pun intended, but that had a lot more legs to it, I thought. Did you both see the story about Danhausen uh talking out of character? Yes. So he he mentioned uh, and he called out Orange Cassidy. Uh, that they're both characters, Orange Cassidy and Danhausen are characters that are bringing non-wrestling fans to wrestling mm. because they're so silly and because they're so fun and because they're so different. And I think that's that's one of the things that the old heads don't get about guys like Danhausen and Orange Cassidy is that it's wrestling. You can book it however you want. Weights don't matter. Sizes don't matter. All, you just look at two people as over as Orange Cassidy and as Danhausen, and you find ways to get them on TV. And to AEW's credit, they have been putting Orange on TV a lot, which is great because right now they're, they just got Punk back. They're just getting Brian Danielson back. So you have these guys that are super, super popular and put them, just put them on TV, whatever they're doing, put them on TV every week. Um, so I, I hope to see something. I don't think that, I mean, I haven't seen enough of Dan Housen in AEW to know if you can build him like you built Cassidy, because Cassidy, I think, is very special in the ring. Um, Dan Housen is very special out of the ring, and I think is competent in the ring. But I, I just, I want to see more, and damn it, buy the royalties for, for uh, 
You spend the human monies on tequila because <laughs> we have to see that. Um, talk about blood and guts with us because maybe it's because I'm I'm a I'm a New England Vince McMahon old head, but when I hear that shit, I'm like, man, screw that. Blood, it was, blood and it guts. was a very. Wait, are we in a sandbox? It was a very bloody. What the hell's this blood and guts crap? It was a super bloody dynamite last week. Uh, last week was the quake by the lake. Uh, I'm not sure if they always have to name their dynamites like their pay-per-views, but they did. They were at the Target Center in Minnesota. Yeah, no one's going to know. Started... We did that at Raw. Remember that, Julie? Each each episode of Raw. No, Raw had a name. Each episode had a name. It'd be like, I remember that. Good I, friends, there was a stretch where they were doing that. And I would be like, no one will ever see this or reference this ever in existence. Don't need it. Well, that. The, uh, the, the opening match to Dynamite on the 10th of August was brutal. It was a great match, though. Coffin match between Brody King and Darby Allen. That is a feud that they had had set up in the ring, at Comic-Con, in parking lots, all kinds of crazy stuff. These guys were brawling all over the place, everywhere on Earth, and they had a blow-off in a coffin match. Um, and you have a huge size discrepancy between the two men. Brody King is a legit monster. Uh, and Darby Allen is a very small guy and they had a fantastic match. And, uh, this is the type of spot that I'm not normally a fan of, but in a blow off for a feud this hot, I was okay with it. Um, Brody King took a skateboard with thumbtacks on it to the face uh, and got opened up something fierce, spurting blood. This is the first match at <laughs> on eight o'clock. Isn't this a health concern, though? I like I this mean, is of course, you know, like this is not, but not also, but just like I, I feel like this is unnecessarily yes. cutting yourself open like this and blood spurting. Well, and, I mean, we're like, in the middle of this is let's a health see, concern. COVID still, which keeps evolving, monkeypox. And then, well, it's only sexually transmitted. Oh, wrestlers. Yeah, they never hook up. And then uh, well, polio is back, everybody. Yeah, I don't know that it's the best time to be saying, welcome to the open wound fest. Match yeah, one, two hours yeah. to go. I understand the sentiment. And normally I agree. But the match was so good. And it was just wild it was bonkers but, how much blood was going on darby allen got chucked into the first row of the office but see right there just crazy. like what the fuck so a bleeding guy got thrown into the fucking crowd yes no nah, nah. um see <laughs> no well i don't i'm not i can't speak for darby he wasn't bleeding but he was definitely covered in brody uh brody king's oh, blood as everything else in the ring was but don't you uh, want match people ended. to watch go take a study here's what i'm saying to tony khan because we know he listens uh tony uh i do we do, i do have a couple friends over there who listen but i'll just say this that go take a survey because i'm one of them i don't like the sight of blood i'm not ashamed to admit it tom knows a very famous story about my my ex significant other and i that involved me witnessing blood and, and uh passing out on the subway um but i don't like blood i think if you took a survey a, like probably 80 or 90 percent of people would say i don't want to see blood and when you're trying to bring in as as one guy calls them, the casuals, bro, casuals with a capital C. I don't think you want a lot of blood right now. 
That's just my yeah. But how much blood was was Vince Russo writing for? Because there was a lot of blood in but the attitude. But era, see, here's the and thing, and that was when the audience was largest. Vince McMahon and and you know Julia will be, at least from a wrestling standpoint, and everyone has attested to this that from a wrestling standpoint, Vince McMahon would not ask you to do physicality that he himself would not do or had not done. You know. There are a couple infamous incidents, obviously, in wrestling, one quite very much so that ended tragically. But Vince tried the stunt like he did do the stunt himself before the other person was asked to do it. I'm not saying that makes it right. I think Triple H has the nail on the head that if someone's uncomfortable doing something, you shouldn't make them do it. It's up to the performer. My thing is, and I come back to this, though, you have blood and guts. And Tom, I know you you don't like this. You don't like when Jim Cornette. And uh, and Russo and those people and Eric Bischoff, I think, was the one to say Tony's running it like he's playing with action figures. But he is because you're having this dude who's saying go out and do blood and guts is Mr. Tweeter. I've never seen Tony Khan do any fucking physicality ever. And he's doing blood and guts. I don't know. I just think it's stupid. I like when Vince made people do it, I would flash back to the St. Valentine's Day massacre with Austin. I'd say Vince got fucking busted open. Yeah, you know what? If he tells you to take a little cut on the head, Vince took took a whole mask on that one. I haven't seen Tony do anything other than put on a pair of sunglasses and talk shit with Tony Schiavone. Sorry. I un- I understand both of your concerns and acknowledge them. I loved the match, guys. I really did. And I I have mixed feelings about blood when it's egregious. And this match was very <laughs> bloody. Egregious. But this match was Is that an this match was a horror. This match was a horror movie. This match was a was horror movie. Was there any movie. pizza cutter this and time? And it was effective. Well, well, and uh, the here's fact that you have thing, to hedge though. that is all I need to know. That the fact that you okay. have that that you go, well, actually, uh, sir, Mr. Belding, yeah, that's when I go, yeah. The other issue is, Real quick. in a match like this, you, you want to show consequences, and I don't mind consequences being shown as far as, you know, these people are such great athletes that they can make a very dangerous thing look very safe. That match did not look very safe, but the two performers, both of them seem to have checked out okay at the end of it. They put on a very compelling match, and we had tables break in. We had Sting coming out of the coffin before the the loser of the match could get put in the coffin, which was a great visual. And uh, Darby Allen, who had been choked out by the much larger Brody King several times beforehand, got to his revenge by choking out Brody King with his neck chain. And in another fantastic visual, in a crazy match, Brody King's unconscious body fell into... The coffin, which slammed shut. Unbelievable match. Great blow off for a red hot feud. I liked it. And again, we've, we talked about it, I think, last week. I'm not always a fan of blood, guys, but it worked for me. And that was an insane, insane risk. You've created the so many second bloody match. Today, Tom. I'm not always a fan of blood, guys. <laughs> That's going to be our first t-shirt. But when I am, well, God. well, if you guys want to see the blood and guts, you know, Tom's trying to talk me into watching this, and I'm just like, do you understand? Tom, you've worked as a salesman before, a very successful salesman. What the fuck? You like horror movies. That was a horror movie and a good one. Well, now I don't know if I want to see horror movies anymore. I'm scared of fucking everything. But if you guys want to watch AEW, it's AEW Dynamite Wednesday at 8 on TBS and then Rampage Friday at 10 on TNT. 
And that's going to do it for this week's episode, I think. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Please subscribe, review, and give us a nice five-star rating. Feel free to send us an email at turnbucklespod at gmail.com. Hey, I want to thank everybody that's been uh, liking our TikTok videos and leaving us some funny comments there. Some really fun conversation. You've made an old man. You've taken the oldest 39-year-old in the world and made him embrace TikTok. Thank you for ticking my talk, everybody out there. And as always, please just let the writers dress like right. TikTok, TikTok. See ya, buckleheads. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.